how many here would be interested in giving permission to another person to analyze you thoroughly so that everything would be revealed and known. And we're not talking about a physical scan like a CT or an MRI or something like that. We're talking about an in-depth analysis of your inner person, the very depths of your heart, your, your soul, your spirit. Someone could analyze you so deeply that everything would be revealed and known. How many of you would be interested in that? How about those of you watching or listening by way of the internet? Would you want to give that authority to someone? I think that the majority of us would say no, if not all of us. That's not just the, the entry. That's not the depths at which we often or ever would desire to be fully known in that way. We've studied dangerous prayers in the Bible beginning in Psalm 139, 23, and 24 where David's dangerous prayer includes four life-changing requests. Look with me again at verses 23 and 24 of this psalm. The Bible says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Remember, as we read this psalm, we recognize that David knew God as the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present in all of his being, God. David also knew that he was a man. And though he found contemptible those who held God in contempt, David also recognized the deceptive and corrupt nature of man and his own heart. And so David asked God, search me, know my heart. He wanted God to reveal his motives, his emotions, his thoughts, his whole orientation and direction of life, of his own heart. He knew that God did not need to do this for his own knowledge and benefit, but David wanted God to do it so that God would lovingly reveal the truth about David to David with a transformative intention. When David asked God, search me, it was so that God could reveal David to David and David trusted that God would do so lovingly with the intention of transforming him, of growing him. When was the last time you asked God to reveal you to yourself? 
If that wasn't dangerous enough, David went on with his prayer and asked God, try me and know my thoughts. David literally asked God, not for comfort and ease, but to put into the fire so God could reveal to David where David lacked trust in God. David, David willingly placed himself at God's mercy to be taken into the furnace so God could deepen his faith because what you fear often reveals where you lack faith. Many of you know the story of Corrie ten Boom. She, along with her sister and father, were believers in the Netherlands during World War II. And they aided Jews in escaping the Holocaust during that war. But following her arrest in 1944, Corrie ten Boom remained a prisoner until December 1944. And during the time of their imprisonment, Corrie's father and sister died. Following her release, Corrie ten Boom went around the world telling her story and sharing the love of Jesus. She knew what it was to go through a trial. But she often was heard saying this, in order to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the stress of the storm. We often ask God and desire of him comfort and ease. But the furnace, the storm, the valley, or whatever else you want to call trials, these things are not on our bucket list. But the reality is that deeper faith is most often developed during trial. Would you be willing to pray to God, try me and know my thoughts? Would you be willing to ask God to put you in the fire so that you may realize the worth of the anchor? Understand where you still don't trust God as readily as you should and grow to have a deeper faith. Now we come to verse 24. And here we find David's third request of this dangerous prayer. Look at verse 24 again. David says, And see if there be any wicked way in me. We've looked at requests, search me, try me. Now we come to the request of this dangerous prayer, see me. David desired God to analyze him for the express purpose of revealing to David any wicked way in him. So he'd already asked God to search him, understanding the corrupt and deceptive nature of the heart, knowing that his intentions, his motives, his thoughts may not be in line with God. But now David comes straight out and says, God, see if there is any wicked way. If there's any wickedness, if there's any wicked practice that is in me. We too need to give God permission to analyze us, to reveal any wickedness that is present. And the truth is, God doesn't need my permission to analyze me. Right? God's not waiting on me to give him permission to do this. He already knows the complete analysis of me, just as he does you. 
Remember what the Bible reveals about the eyes of the Lord. We read this Proverbs 5 and verse 21 as an example. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. You know, interestingly enough, you see this expressed even going back to the very beginning of the Word of God. Think about Genesis chapter 4, where the Bible tells us the story of Cain and Abel. You remember the story, don't you? God, who had his eyes upon them, came to Cain even before he did anything against Abel to warn him, to try to direct his steps a different way. And then when Cain believed no one else was around, nobody would see, he rose up against Abel and slew him. But then God showed up and asked Cain, where is your brother? What have you done to Abel? And Cain tried to play ignorant and innocent, and God knew different, didn't he? Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground, God said. Just a little bit later in the book of Genesis, we find in Genesis chapter 11, during the building of the Tower of Babel, remember after the flood had happened and Noah and his sons came off the ark and God told them to be fruitful, multiply, spread abroad throughout the earth. But they all stayed put and they began building this tower. And the Bible tells us in, in Genesis 11, uh, verse number 5, that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. We read a similar thought in Genesis chapter 18 when God came and visited Abraham. And then he was going to go on from Abraham to see the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. God had heard the cries and knew the wickedness of the city, but God told Abraham, I've come down to see if the cries that I've heard, if they're really as wicked as it appears to be. And we understand that in this way, the Bible is giving God human characteristics. God did not need to physically show up and see the Tower of Babel. God did not need to physically show up and see Sodom and Gomorrah. But it's a good reminder to us and a good picture of this truth that the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. The eyes of the Lord run constantly throughout the whole earth, beholding the evil and the good. You know, sometimes we forget about that part, don't we? The good. We also see that displayed in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 6, every imagination of man's heart was only evil continually, continually the Bible says, but Noah found what? grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 16, when Hagar was forced to flee from Abraham and Sarah after conceiving with Abraham, God showed up and 
spoke with her and encouraged her. And she gave God a name. She called him by a name. Yahweh El Roy, thou God, seest me. The God who sees. You see, friends, we need to remember that the Bible reveals to us that God already sees all. You don't have to give God permission to do an analysis of you. He, he's already done it. He does it constantly. God sees. He knows all. But remember, as you think about what is going on in David's request, he's not doing this for God's benefit. It wasn't God who needed to know David's heart. It wasn't God who needed to know David's thoughts. It wasn't God who needed to find out if there was some wicked way in David. Who needed that knowledge? David did. David needed to know what his heart truly was. David needed to know his thoughts, specifically those places where he still lacked faith in God. And David needed to know if there was some wickedness in him. Perhaps something he was ignoring. Something he was excusing. Something he was rationalizing away. Something that he was blind to. Do you know that we all suffer from spiritual blindness? To some extent, the people, the person that we often have the hardest time seeing and knowing best is ourselves. We all struggle with that, and David recognized it. So he was not giving God permission to do an analysis for God's benefit so much as he was asking God to reveal to him what God's analysis was. David even wrote throughout the Psalms about this God who sees and knows all. Read through Psalm 139. David knew that God already saw and knew all. We've said again and again throughout this series. David understood God was that one who was already everywhere. Who already knew everything. There's not a word in my mouth, O Lord, but thou knowest it altogether. Thou seest and knowest my thought afar off. Wherever I am, wherever I can go, you're already there. God already knew. This was not for God's benefit. David's asking God to do this analysis or to reveal the analysis to David so that he would know. David was willing to sit through a painful diagnosis so he could respond submissively to God's authority and activity in his, in his life. Friend, are you willing to ask God to reveal to you what his analysis of your life is? I think we would all like to, to look at our lives and to make our own call, make our own diagnosis, uh, deliver our own verdict. This is who I am, and this is what my life represents, and, and this is how close I am to the Lord, and this is how 
faithfully I walk with him and this is how how good I am and we could go on and on and on we like to make those own calls but how regularly are we willing to ask God to reveal to us what his analysis is when you spend time with God and I trust that you do are you interested only in comfort or are you willing to receive challenge and conviction I, I think we're all drawn when we spend time with the Lord when we're reading his word when we're spending time in prayer I, I, I admit for myself we're all drawn when we're reading through texts of scripture to the parts that, that really comfort us that really they speak truth I, I'm not trying to get away from that but but we're really drawn to those those verses and those passages that that just deliver that that boost to us of of comfort and encouragement but probably less regularly do we appreciate when we're spending time with God and we're convicted or we're challenged by what we read and how God speaks to our hearts. As you look at Psalm 139 and verse number 24, David praying this prayer, see me, see if there be any wicked way in me. I want you to notice that word translated wicked in our text. It's an unusual word used only four times in the Old Testament. You say, well, wicked appears a lot. Yes, but this particular Hebrew word is only used four times. It's used here. It's used once in First Chronicles, and it's used twice in the prophet Isaiah. And the primary meaning of this word is idol, idolatry, or pain, sorrow. And that's actually the ways you find it translated in the other three places it's used, either as idol or as sorrow. And all of these connotations are likely in David's thoughts as he prayed this request to the Lord. In other words, David invited God to reveal any sinful attitude or activity, any acts of idolatry in his life, or any way that his attitude or activity grieved the Lord. David wanted to know it all. About you. W would you ask God to reveal any sinful attitudes or activities? Maybe, again, there are things you're, you're unaware of. Maybe because of ignoring or excusing or rationalizing away or just simply being blind to it. Throughout your life and mine, there are actions and reactions that are typical to us. They're habitual. We, we do things, we act in ways, we react in ways that are just their habit to us. We think, we say, we do these things without even thinking about it. Is it possible that there are habitual attitudes and actions that are sinful? We don't even recognize it. Because... We do it without thinking about it. We respond or we react that way without even giving it a second thought. We do this activity routinely without even, even giving it a thought. 
would you ask God to reveal any idolatrous tendencies? Now, I know what we think. Well, we don't have idolatry. We think of idolatry as just the idea of a practice that we just aren't prone to. We think of it as just setting up an image and bowing down to and worshiping this image. I think I've shared before about uh, one of my college professors who in a class was joking about a, an expositor that he really looked up to. And as he was going through class talking about how much he looked up to this expositor and preacher of the word of God, he said, he said something to this effect. He said, yes, I have a portrait hanging in my closet to him and I burn candles to it every night. He was joking, but that's kind of the idea of what we think of as idolatry, right? Worshiping an image. But do you understand idolatry is much more than that? We think of it as an old practice, historical, that doesn't happen today, or at least not anywhere around us. It happens in some other part of the world. But idolatry is simply whenever something takes God's place. So let me ask you, do you love God in the way that the Bible proclaims you should? Do other people or things occupy the throne of your hearts? Are other people or things the source of our greatest affection when God himself should be? Do we actually worship other people or things by our attitudes and activities? You see, it doesn't have to be an image carved out of stone or wood that we bow down and worship. When we allow something else to be on the throne of our heart, when we have an affection toward anything that is greater than the affection we have for God, when we love someone or something more than we love God, when we allow anything to take the place that only God should have in our lives, that's idolatry. And David said, God, see if there be any way, any wicked way like that in me. Would you ask God to reveal any grievous or offensive behaviors? Maybe it's, maybe it's something in your life or mine that is an attitude that we have, an activity that we participate in. It's a behavior that we engage in, and maybe we wouldn't call it wicked. Maybe we wouldn't call it sinful, but it's something that grieves and offends God for one reason or another. Are there ways that you are grieving God or offending others that God would reveal to you and lead you to stop? You see, David said, God, I, I want that analysis. I want you to do a deep dive. I want you to, to look at, I'm giving you permission to reveal the deepest thoughts and tents and activities of my life. Even those things that maybe nobody else sees, nobody else hears, nobody else knows. God, I know you do. Maybe there's something I'm excusing, ignoring, rationalizing, something I'm blind to. God, I'm asking you to show me. Is there idolatry of some sort in my life? Is there some way where I am grieving or offending you? God, if there is, reveal it to me.
reveal it to me. Would you do that? Is that a prayer that you'd willingly, regularly pray? To give God permission to see if there is any wicked way in you. And then with the attitude, the, the response of reacting biblically to what he reveals. Make a habit of allowing God to analyze you so as to reveal any wicked way in you. Why? You know, don't you, that God wants to change you. He wants to transform you. He wants to grow you. These types of revelations are revelations that God makes to us as we pray often through his Holy Spirit. There are going to be times when you pray like this that God just by his Holy Spirit that indwells you if you're a believer is going to reveal to you something in your life that is wrong, that is idolatrous, that is offensive or grievous to him. It will be happen through his word. As it's preached and taught, as you spend time in God's word yourself, if when you spend time in God's word, you are actively seeking for God to speak to your heart, there are going to be times you're going to be reading his word that God's going to convict you. God's going to challenge you. It may even be through others. There's an example of this in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 2. There Paul shares about how he was with the, this group of Gentiles, and, and Peter showed up. And Peter was fellowshipping with the Gentiles along with Paul, but then a group of certain Jews showed up, and Peter separated himself from the Gentiles to, to go and separate himself with the Jews and would not anymore fellowship with the Gentiles. And the Bible tells us Paul said he withstood Peter to the face because Peter was to be blamed. He was doing wrong. There are going to be times when it will be other believers in your life who care about you, who love you, may confront you and say, hey, I see this in your life. How will you respond? God certainly will identify these wicked ways in our lives if we will be courageous enough to pray this dangerous prayer. Will you submit to God's authority and activity in your life by asking him to reveal any wicked way in you? God, see me. See if there be any wicked way.